Blog Talk Radio. American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. Another week of American Tennis every Wednesday at noon on the Your Tennis Network. Actually, folks, Your Tennis Network and Coach Jason Haynes, thank you for your five years of uh, helping all of us in tennis with the shows you have. Uh, Lisa Stone's Parenting Aces every Tuesday at noon. And then, of course, John Denise's, uh, John Denise's uh, Florida Connection. I'll tell you, folks, the uh, that has been a wonderful, wonderful program for for everybody in the state of Florida and everything that goes on there. And thank you, Coach Denise, very much for your program. But this is American Tennis, and we're now on the We Coach Tennis Network and the Yellow Ball Network. Thank you there. Uh, my golly, J.P. Weber picked up the program, and thank you. But also, but Jason Haynes was the person who got it all started. And before we go anywhere, folks, this program, I'm on the road, but I knew how important it was. I wanted to get, um, those of you who listened to my program last week, I sincerely apologize. We had that uh, crank caller call in, and I'm not going to take any calls until I can get them sort of screened uh, from now on, and Coach Denise said it happened to him one time as well, and I really, really apologize. That was a great program. It was on mentoring, and it was on three, uh, three-tier three mentoring and why it works and why it's superior to two-tier mentoring, and lots of great information, but if you listen to that or if kids listen to it, make sure you shut it down right when I go to the callers, folks. I apologize for that. It cut our sh- so, sure, that's the first time that's happened to me in five years. So, any, I guess that's good, but I've got to be ready for that stuff, and then it made me more ready. But this is Chuck Creasy. It's American Tennis, and you can go to my website at chuckcreasy.net. That's K-R-I-E-S-C, chuckcreasy.net. And uh, got my blogs, got my camps, my books, my articles. And go there and sort of see what I'm 
uh, writing about different things. Folks, I'm going to fight. You know, I'm going to fight always. I'm going to always fight uh, stuff that's not quite right with tennis, and I will. Look, I'm not the end-all, be-all, know-all. I've never set myself up for that, but I do know the sport of tennis will go on a long, long time without us, and uh, we got a lot, a lot of things going on that are goofing up the game, and we actually must have a director of mess-up or screw-up somewhere because of the stuff that we're doing to college tennis and to junior tennis and to entry-level professional tennis. Folks, with all of the talent we have, it has been amazing how we continue to dumb down our talent and to not surface. We have the number one country in the world as far as opportunities. We have the best talent in the world. We have the best coaches. But there's something that happens to our players right around the 80th percent point or 90th percent point, and it just sort of makes the careers collapse. And um, we always will talk about these things, and very often I will be able to have someone who's got more experience than me playing on a professional tour. Um, I've seen enough matches in my 46 years of coaching but when a player has to go through all that they go through in trying to become a player from the time they they have the dream as a child to going up through the junior ranks and in the college and all that they do, and then once they go out there and put the pedal to the metal and try to succeed, that's a whole different ball game. And we're very fortunate today that we have a uh, person who's just come off the tour, uh, Clint Bowling, and Clint has been. Ten years out on the tour, uh, trying to make it as a player, and actually making it as a player. The interesting thing is that he said he did not lose money, and he was able to make it as a player and make the money. In the meantime, he got to travel to some 21 countries. Uh, He got to travel all over the world. He got to live in Europe and different countries. I think uh, South America, I'll I'll let him tell the whole story here in a minute. But it's what a fantastic education. And now he's come back to train players. um, You know, he's he's at that age now in his 30s where he wants to move on. But uh, we're very, very fortunate to have him. I'll just say, hey, Clint, it's good to have you here today. Good to be here. Yes, yeah. And um, we're going to get his wisdom, his – some of his experiences. But, folks, uh, you can call in, area code 714-583-6853. But our show is a little bit shorter today. We've only got uh, about a 45-minute program, so I want to get right to that, and we'll be right back after our go to our quick commercial here. I'm Chuck Creasy. This is American Tennis. Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. 
is go to Chuck Creasy and go to ChuckCreasy.net for my writings, my books, my camps. And, folks, I'm trying to stay involved in tennis as much as I can for as much time as the good Lord gives me. To, to learn to more about Chuck Creasy and his total tennis training camps, Number one in the country in the 45s, 
but he was doing a lot of training when we were coming up. So that's he needed, of, he needed sparring partners. <laughs> I, I was a sparring partner for a long time. And, yeah. uh, and so, and that, that rubbed off on me, but it was, you know, I had several friends, you know, who were in Europe who were a lot older than me and who I also trained with. And, you know, I like to travel and that it was just, it was a good way to pay the bills and travel. Yeah. And yeah I, I didn't think about winning or losing even when I was at Clemson. Yeah. Well, he did, a, he's probably the perfect job, I think, as far as inspiring his kids to play. Uh, you and your brother both have always been on fire for the game. And in a way that, you know, winning or losing, you've always wanted to win. I think you hated losing about as much as anybody ever met. But at the same time, you always had that vision in your head what you were going to do. You you knew that you were going to go out for the pro tennis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's really good. But let me let me just talk here a little bit about your journey. Um, you know, folks, we we look at pro tennis first of all, like, yeah, only thirteen men on the American side are finishing in the black. So 6,000 professional baseball players. You know, my son's in baseball. I know these statistics, you know, and I love for him to all play tennis, but he loves baseball. And um, the point is, is um, when I used to send players out in the 70s and 80s to play, I always used to tell them, make your money and travel off of your doubles earnings, try to make it with a buddy, you know, get around, figure it out, got to sort of live frugally, but the most important, I used to tell them, improve first, then gather your points, and gather the money, but it's really hard, those three things for most people. Um, you went over your route, instead of just going to the tournaments, you went and played club tennis in Germany, in Holland, France, around Germany. You played you know, 30, 40 tournaments every every year between October and November. I mean, over 100 matches in a six-month seat. Over 100 matches. Folks, folks, listen. Your parents are over, overly protected. Over 100 matches in a six-month six season. I mean, and, oh, it's ludicrous to think that 25 is enough for college. But I want you to tell the story. You finish college tennis, and then you – said, I want to go play. So you tell your story here. So I started in Germany in my first season. I think it was 2004 and then uh, 2004 and 2005, and then I decided I would try college tennis. I didn't really want to go to college at that point, but it made sense uh, for that, that part of uh, where I was. And so I went. For, I got three, two, two seasons yeah. with uh, Coach Creasy, and I decided that um, I was, you know. And, and explain something here. You know, the, the rules, if you don't make money, folks, it's not like you're a pro and then you come back to college. Mostly all of the uh, Europeans, all of the professional players of football, all of the journeyman players that are playing college tennis, international players, Really, there is a um, NCAA does a thing where, you know, you cannot, you you can make expenses and try to get by. So that's basically, you know, the way that one works. And you know, so you try to go do it, and then you say, well, well, wait a minute, I, I try to play college here. 
Yeah, so I was over there, and I wasn't, um, I wasn't, you know, I I came to college at the time when Benedict Dorsch was, you know, winning, and with Benjamin Becker, and, and those uh, guys, they were they were in Baylor, yeah, Baylor, and they were a, they're a, German guys, German guys. They were a completely different level than I was at the time, so you know, I I wasn't really making that much money playing the the money tournaments and the league matches. Um, you know, barely covering my expenses, and the club helped me out with housing and food and training. Um, and then I decided to come because those guys were there. They were in college, so I figured I'd try it out. And um, and after two years, I went back to um, decided, you know, the college wasn't really what I was yeah, interested it's interesting. in. I never had a player that practice day and night. You know, uh, player Lawson Duck in the early 80s, that practice day and night. But I think you were probably maybe a Tender Murphy. Uh, you know, but you practice day and night. You practice in the morning. You practice in the evening. You practice at practice. You played all the matches. And it, But you had a single mindset that this is, this is what you – This was sort of what I was going to be doing because I didn't want to – I didn't know if it was going to be a year, two years, four years. Um, I didn't want to get a job after. I didn't want to be behind a desk or, or teaching ladies at that point in my life. So my goal was to get good enough where – No offense you ladies out there. <laughs> let, let the ladies make – no, no, let's talk about straight. That's important now. Yeah. Okay. Ladies tennis makes the USTA go. Why would we be without the women's league? Of all of those ladies, okay, it is a big deal. But also, you know, the, the senior tournaments and all of the adult leagues, the league tennis right now is the biggest month maker. <laughs> she say, don't worry about that. No, 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 I talk the way it is here. But, you know, that's why, that's a ladies, sorry, but that's what pros say, just I don't want to be teaching women's groups every day of my life. <laughs> so go ahead, continue, please. So at 20, uh, 22, 23, when I finished, I didn't want to be, you know, have to get a job, you know, right away. I wanted to, but also at the same time, I didn't want to spend, you know, 30 or 40 grand a year traveling to play futures. So the best way out of that was um, right over to France and just start start playing playing tournaments and team matches wherever you could get. Okay, now you got to get picked up from a team. So. Uh, you know, folks right now, like if you want to play pro tennis, most kids will go out and play futures and try to get the world rank, get their points. A lot of college guys go over and get their start. What's the name um, of the kid that went to Davis Adolphus? Uh, Eric Buderak. Yeah. Eric Buderak. He probably did that start now. Uh, Buderak was a year earlier than me playing the same money tournament in France. And I think he went to the doubles probably the same year that I got. So, so how do you get into these money tournaments? You just sign up. Do they allow a lot of international foreign players? They're, they'll allow anyone. All you have to do is for the French system, which is the best, and Eric was over there. Um, he, like, we can, you can sign up. There's about, you know, I don't know what the exact number is, but there's between four and 5,000 tournaments that are going on in the summer season. Four and five thousand tournaments. Yes. So at every club, basically, folks, did you hear that? Four and five thousand at every club. How are they funded? How 
who pays for it? I mean, are there tournament directors for all these? There's there's tournament referees. So each, it's on a level system. All of us are playing in the same draw um, from the the highest rankings will start at the end of the tournament, and the beginning of the tournament will be your club players, three fives, two fives, four fives. How big are the draws? between uh, the most I've been in is probably you know around 300 people. Play. Three, 300. 300. So, you, 300 so you can get in, but you have to start the first tournament way back in the field. Yeah. And do you all understand that, folks? What happens is if you have the number one seed and is a high ranked player, well, he doesn't get fed into the tournament until like the quarterfinals. Or so something. these tournaments will go on for three weeks or even a month. And each round is fed into the next round, and depending on where your ranking is, similar to the UTR, uh, the UTR rating system, you'll be in a separate line of the draw. So I don't have to be in a 300, a 256 draw with with uh, club players. But when you first started, you had to. No, you didn't. No, they get they look at your look at your level, and you you basically describe yourself, rate yourself. And if you're a college player, you're going to be pretty much towards the end of the draw. Like really? Not exactly. Round 32 or uh, round of 16? Round of 16. Round of 16. Yeah. So the rest of the people are just club players or kids. Kids, or, club players. You know, that's so cool. Think about that, folks. One of the things I don't want to – sorry for interrupting, but, Clint, but we segregate our kids into 10 and unders, 12 and unders, 14 and unders, 16 and unders, 18 and unders. They get the same opponents. The same level, the same problems to solve, same game style, the same game style, and everything. And why do we do this? We, I always say, our USTA, you guys make the kids jump through the same hoops 58 times, and they get broken down. So, how much better is it if you just let it open? Just let it. I mean, because that at the same time that keeps everyone active. That keeps everyone competing. So you might play a 50-year-old hacker that makes 100 balls, and you got to figure out how to figure out how to do it. Or you might play a 14-year-old phenom, yeah. and you got to figure out all so, on the same draw. So these are at clubs. Clubs, yeah. They're at clubs, so, and they go on every day. Every day, yeah. Do they use all the courts? or Not all of them. Sometimes they'll use uh, maybe three. It depends on the week uh, schedule of matches. Uh, sometimes all the courts will be used. Sometimes a big club might have uh, eight courts, and they'll use three okay. for the tournament. So, so the obvious question is, you go over there, uh, where do you live? How do you eat? How do you find a place to stay? So the first tournament, I basically had a budget in France. This was after after Clemson. Uh, I had a budget, and I... Uh, I had a friend. He called some tournaments for me, but I basically went. So you had a budget. Your folks got together, started. Yeah, a little bit. I, mean, I had I had some money saved from teaching, and and uh, so I went there, and you know I I knew I wasn't going to make a lot of money first time around. I mean that is tough, <coughs> but what I did was I would just go to tournament to tournament, stay in the hotel or some housing, and I didn't really have a place to live the first time around. And I went just tournament to tournament by yourself, by myself. Yeah, train, uh, bus, not too much bus in France, mostly on the train. And um, well, first of all, it's easy to get around over there. It's yeah, not, it's simple. It's not like here. We people would not take the bus or the train. Yeah, well, everybody has to re- rely on. It's not like in Europe you can just jump on. It's such yeah. a good system. But 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 the 
interesting thing to me, you know, the thing I wanted to ask you real quick here is, okay, so you have a limited amount of money. You you go in there and you start playing, and then as you win more rounds, you make a little bit of money, and then you have to budget your money to get by. Yeah, I mean, and budget my money, it's something completely different than what we're used to. I mean, once the first time I played Futures here in the States, um, I drove, I stayed in a hotel, and I lost seven $800 just within just – to lose, to, to lose for, for two matches, I think, and uh, yeah, yeah. and stayed in a hotel. But there, I mean, I played. Now, uh, some of you parents out there are saying, "Wait a minute, buddy! I lose seven hundred to nine hundred to a thousand bucks for my fourteen and unders match." You know, and it's just ridiculous. And, and so the first one I went, I, I landed. I played. You know, two days after I got there, um, and. You know, I won one match and I lost one, and I made 150. The entry fee was about not more than 20. And whoa, whoa, do you hear that? The entry fee was 20. When did we heard that one? That, that was when I was a child. You know, wow. So the entry fee was around 20, and the tournament paid one night in the hotel, and I paid one night in the hotel. So I had two nights, yeah. and then I went to the next one. So and it, you did that. it was basically a wash. Yeah. Um, and then I kept it going for a few more weeks, you know, about a month, and then it was time to come back, and I was basically maybe a little red, but not nothing like, you know, nothing like uh, for the amount of tennis that I got. It's not. It was like you know I could make that in a week of teaching, so it right. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like a like I, you know, took. It wasn't like you got taken to the cleaner. Exactly. So. With with that, the season goes from May to October. Yeah, April, May to all the way to October. Right. So about six months. Yeah. Then what do you do after the season is over? Um, basically, I took a vacation like a normal uh, person, and uh, you know I I didn't have to worry about working because I made you know I made pretty much once I got rolling and started getting better. Um, I didn't have to worry about money. Didn't have to worry about teaching. You know, I had enough coming back every year that it was like working a summer job. So you're saying, give parents an idea out there, did you have $3,000 in your pocket to go over, $5,000 in your pocket to go over? Uh, usually about 10. 10 oh, usually, okay. Yeah. So don't go over with less. Oh, no, I made that coming back. Okay. Like, uh, how much, but, but when you, if you're a parent and you want to send your son over there, and, and first, first of all, folks, do you understand he did this all by himself. We had a good discussion yesterday about how you have just traveled all over the place by yourself. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it costs too much for two people to go. I mean, you can't take a coach? No. I mean, on, well, since you were how old? Um, I've been going alone probably since I was 16, 17, traveling. Okay. My brother probably started around 15, traveling to some tournaments alone. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, it, you know. I, I think about how our in our culture people flip out. I mean, my daughter swims on the high school swim team, and my wife went through the thing that she rode on the bus, but there was a whole pack of parents following. You know, I mean, following the bus. You know, and and, and uh, you start traveling. Yeah, and I mean, when I got to when I got to France, there were kids. Like uh, 
13 or 14 that would come along. They, they, they come on the train and the tournament, they go and pick them up. And wow. it's not like they were completely alone. I mean, we're 10 players, so, you know, we, we kind of look out for each other. But um, there wasn't any. And you told me yesterday you never really had a bad problem. No, never. Continue. I've been in, in Mex- I lived a year in Mexico. Um, you know, a full, you know, eight a nine full year years in Mexico and playing, playing, playing tennis. Yeah, wow. playing a lot of tournaments. Did some pretty. I mean, uh, you know, on the surface was unsafe, but I mean, it never had a problem. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. So. And this is one of the dangerous, most dangerous countries on this uh, in, in this part of the world. The U.S. or Mexico? Mexico, yeah. Oh, uh, U.S. say, but I've never had a problem. There, so, and I don't know. Yeah, it, I, it's really interesting. When yeah. we were, you know, when I was growing up, and most of the people in my generation will say, you know, we hit the back door and left. We needed to be home at six for dinner, and mom didn't know where we were at. We just ran. There were no cell phones. There were just. She said, check in at 6, and we'd check in, dirty, beat up. We'd been in fights. We'd been in football games, basketball games. We'd swim in the creek, hunted for crawdads, and done all that stuff all day long. And now we have the helicopter parents, of course, that we sort of set up the programs for all the children. And it's it's a different world out there. We know, folks, it, it really is. But how do we, I always say roots and wings are the two best skills, gifts that you can give your children. The roots are easier and the wings are hard. How did your dad and mom go about giving you the wings? Did they just say, Clint, you want to play? You got to go out and do it yourself? Uh, not, I mean, not really. I'm more of a, I'm pretty independent, so I didn't really like people following me everywhere. Um, it, it's my thing. I I went to France alone the first time. Most people hook up at least with a buddy to to yeah. they're not completely alone. Did you eat your meals to get by yourself and just uh, sometimes? Yeah, I'm pretty like being alone didn't really bother yeah. me. I mean, it's and I you know where I used to work, the guy is a brilliant man, Vesapanka. He he used to teach tell the kids he would say, you've got to have the stomach to lose and you've got to have the stomach to travel. Because you travel a lot and you lose a lot, lose a lot. <laughs> is that pretty accurate? Oh, that's accurate. You know you're going to lose. You're just trying to win three matches before you lose. Uh, what? Well, so you okay? So the Netherlands it was club tennis. Uh, Germany it was club tennis. It was club tennis in France and Belgium. And pretty much they've got, they do a great job at the entry levels. They're missing something though too. I think that socialized culture that they have makes they, – they, they do a great job of getting everybody into the competition. They do do a good job of uh, finish, finishing off, you know, their, their job with it. So, But um, you basically then I, – I, here's what I want to set up. I want, I want you to set up and talk a little bit about um, – I want you to talk about if you were what necessarily are the flaws in our system. Everybody knows it. It's money. We segregate our age groups and our people that play too much. For too much, is, I think we do a lot on the computer, not because we should, but because we can't. We've uh, 
too much paralysis by analysis, and we segregate the groups so people don't really learn to lose the tennis. We all know that it's not enough clay in this country. We could play a lot more clay, the kids constructing points. We all know that college right now is sort of uh, been dumbed down. It's been dumbed down with the, the, with the very few matches that are allowed. But also all the international athletes have taken the place of American players who could be getting the scholarships. So that's hurt. So tell me what you see, and if you had a magic wand that you could you could uh, just do this is the Clint Bowling way of excellence for USA Tennis. Listen, USTA, and all of you, you might get some good wisdom here. Well, uh, like Coach said earlier, I don't have all the answers, but my from being out there, being you know in a few different countries, is um, you got to let everyone play together. Um, you're going to get better matches closer to home. There's not time and energy lost on travel. Um, the oldest guy that I played was 46 years old that beat me. Um, and then I also played some kids who are 13, 14, who are now doing some pretty good things on the tour. Um, and that's, in the, my opinion is, like, it, there's, everyone plays together. So, or the kids are all segregated, like Coach says, and there's no... Um, there's no competition. Yeah, they don't learn different They don't learn different game styles, and they don't learn how to, uh, when you're playing someone who's got all this experience, you can't just, if you, you can't, you got to figure out a way to fight through it, and if you want to win bad enough, you're going to have to set the point up and get some patience. Right, right. And so one of the things that they're doing, they're building that super complex down at Lake Dota. And I think part of the thing they're trying to do is run a bunch of futures there so players can come and they can maybe rent an apartment, live together, and they can play five, six, seven, eight tournaments together without the traveling. I think that's a pretty good idea, don't you? That's good. I mean, that's, I don't I don't see um, the – I don't know much about it, so I, I, I don't want to comment, but, I mean, that the theory is good. Um, I would like – I mean – it's not only that the professional level, it's also at the the social level, which feeds into that professional level. But these tournaments, like I said, the club players are starting, you know, a week a, a week ahead of me. But they also feed into the the juniors who are just above them. Yeah. And the juniors have to finish those guys off before they get to a, a maybe another junior or a yeah, player yeah. a little better or an ex. You know, into my head here. Last week, our program was on mentoring and how important it is to learn. Everybody should have someone above them that teaches them, a Paul, or everybody has a Timothy below them that they teach, but then there has to be your peer group that you learn, your Barnabases, that you fight it out with or you learn. And we don't do that when we segregate the tournaments into age groups. And and another thing is the the ranking system in France is all about levels. So if you want to move up, you have to play. You have to get out there. I mean, the normal the normal season for a lot of people who are playing a lot is eighty five, a hundred matches throughout the year, because it takes that long to get many wins when you want to move up. 
I became very aware of the need for a rating system plant back in the late 1990s. So, well, actually, we weren't getting to play enough. So if I had a player with seven or eight on the team, they were getting no tournament no competition tournament. at all. Yeah. And, and so I proposed actually to uh, the guy at Fish <clears throat> at Harvard Bay Fish and um, gave him the idea of uh, we needed a rating system. Now, it's, uh, that's 10 years later. They've got the UTR, which is which looks like it's going to be something of great merit. So, ideally, here's what I think. I think you ought to rank 50 to 75 your top players. I think at the very highest level, you rank the players. Then a rating works great because, hey, I'm at this level. I want to get to the next level. How do I, how do I do that? And that's beat somebody higher than me. And how do I do that? How do I do I that? Play. I got to play. I got to play. play. Now, folks, think about what we do. We take all 12-year-olds, put them together, and they battle against other 12-year-olds. Now, every time somebody wins, somebody loses. I mean, there's a lot of – look, you got to win, you got to lose. But there's no big leapfrogging of, comp- of uh, learning or competition. And what we do then is they play the same kids the next tournament and the same kids the next tournament and the same kids and rivalries develop. But the worst thing we have done in USTA, I, I will call you out every week on my program, you've got to dump that stupid point system. You know, you've got to dump it. Kids don't play for that. You know, uh, the, you know, rating rankings are good. Ratings would be good at the middle level. I'd ideally top 50, top 75 are ranked. Then you have the next 300 people rated. Rated, well, because once you get to the top 75 in the country or 50 in the country, um, you're probably outgrown that and you're thinking, you know, you're thinking about how you're going to get, you, yeah. you're choosing one path or the other, you're thinking about how you're going to get top 200 or you're thinking about, uh, you know, yeah. And the bait's always out there, though. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I think of a 12-year-old sitting there watching his buddy play you. You're 25 years old, and you're playing a – and he's watching his buddy, and the guy plays pretty good, and the 12-year-old goes, you know what? I maybe could do that. And then that's how you keep the driving. I've been through through, uh, two 14-year-olds cheering their guy on against me. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. (laughs) And it's good for you and good for them. but for everyone. It's good for everybody. You know, we laugh about it now. If we get off the court, you know, we laugh about it. We're, you know, having a drink. Yeah. And, and we just do a lot of things that are not smart. And we do things because we can, not because we should. The number one thing we need to do, folks, is we need to separate participation tennis versus performance level tennis or, you know, uh, excellent, you know, tournament level tournament level, this participation stuff. We gotta get the league stuff and the you know, the two point fives, the four point and all this league stuff out of the competitive arena. We need we need if we opened it up, these these kind of tournaments, wow, I could see lots of interest being generated there. And it, you know, and it starts with uh, a little bit of prize money and that's what makes guys like me come after it. So that's why we're gonna show up. Hey guess what? Guess what they got now? We had so many international players playing college tennis that had taken some prize money. 
that now we have this rule that you can take up $10,000 in prize money and be eligible to play college tennis. But what an opening for junior players, huh? Well, I mean, what an opening. is nothing compared to what we said. I mean, it should be oh. it should be fifty thousand. I mean, for what what uh, so spend, uh, what people spend on junior travel and uh, and training. I mean, training should be a part of that. We're so in the United States of doing things right instead of doing the right things. Doing the right thing would be allowing parents to get back some of the money that they invested, motivating the children, keeping people engaged in the game, making it a sport, not an after-school activity. And what, why are we in trouble in tennis? Because we're into, we do, we do bad things the right way. We need to do good things the right things, we need to do good things the wrong way and then get them right. But right now we do a lot of stuff stupid because we're, we're computer, or the computers, the paralysis. You know, I, I don't really know the reason. It's sort of the way it's developed here, but um, I had to go to a different continent to get my tenants in. And what a great, great story in a great situation. Can you... Any quick advice? I'm going to give you the last word here. We're almost out of time. But give me some advice to young players who have this dream of playing. Uh, college is still a good thing to do for a lot of them. And college is good, um, but there it, it has to be. I don't think from the kids that I, you know, been around in Texas for the last couple of years. I've been down there training and practicing with some kids. It's all about where they're going to college. College is just a should be just a stop, a four-year stop. It should be a springboard yeah, instead, a of a destination. instead of a destination. And I, and I completely agree. I think that, uh, you know, on the women's side, I've heard some good coaches say that we would never send the top girl player to college because it just kills their career, kills their dream. And it, it, it's really the proofs in the pudding. I mean, it's been 25 years since we had, I think, Lisa Raymond, Gretchen Rush, and some of those players – I think Falcone girl from Georgia Tech was the most recent, but we have nobody coming out of college on the women's side playing pro tennis and making it. On the men's side, we're doing an awful job. We've got a lot to look at there, and forget about high school. That is absolutely a participation sport there. They don't even they don't push the kids. It's sort of kumbaya. That's happy hour. That's, that's happy hour. There it is said from a pro journeyman, these high school coaches out there, come on, let's get after it and make it a sport again. You know, make, make it really worth something uh, to go over, okay? So, look, Clint, we have not had a USA champion since 2002 on the men's side. And if you take, I guess, Venus and Serena out of it on the women's side, it's been 25 do you see some hope for us here? I mean, there's some good players coming up, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, there's always every every country has good players coming up, and it. I, I mean, I don't know the answer. Um, I wish I did. Uh, at that level, I, I mean, I'm not sure what it takes. It, it really is interesting how we we have so many answers, and they're all the wrong answers, and whoever. You know, look, guys, you don't want to be known as the director of screw-up. You know, and, I mean, we've got the most talent of anywhere, best facilities of anywhere. 
we need debate. It's not systems, it's incentives. Is that correct? Yeah. I we need incentives for our kids. Give them the bait. They'll go get it. Americans are competitive. And, uh, folks, we, we can do a much better job. Clint, I really, really want to thank you for being here uh, to, today on American Tennis. Thank you well, very thank much. Well, thank you. Anytime. Yeah, it, it's great having you here. Made in America. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.